0: Learn how The Hartford can help your
1: business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon, official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code radio20 at bloomberglive.com slash greenfestival.
2: This week on Parts Per Billion, the future of water and who's going to pay to get us there. Welcome to Parts Per Billion, your favorite environmental policy podcast from Bloomberg BNA. I'm your host, David Schultz, and I'm here with my colleague, Amina Sayed.
3: Hi, David.
2: Hi, Amina. So uh, we have a very special episode for you today, the first in a two-part series talking about water and specifically water utilities and how can they move into the future and become sustainable, quote-unquote. Amina, when we talk about sustainable water and sustainable water utilities, what exactly does that mean?
3: What it means is that with more and more people moving into cities, that we have a a growing population, we have growing demand for energy, for water, and to make sure that all of these needs are met in in an efficient way, that you are energy efficient, you're water efficient, and yet you are getting what you need, you're getting clean water, you're getting clean, safe drinking water uh, all together.
2: And that's why we wanted to sit down with George Hawkins, who is the head of the local water utility here, D.C. Water, in our hometown of Washington, D.C. George is one of the more progressive people in the water utility world, and he's got a lot of ideas for how to bring his industry into the future. But he's also under a ton of financial pressure. He's got a lot of demands coming in and... Not a lot of ways to raise the revenue to meet those demands.
3: So George Hawkins at DC Water talked to us about how there is a, obviously a, a need to upgrade the infrastructure, which is crumbling. And at the same time, it's very costly. At the same time, it's a city with, with a diverse uh, population with ver- varying uh, income levels. So how do you accommodate all of those the, the different people and and make sure the utility gets enough revenue?
2: He outlined the the five factors to us that are driving the financial pressure on D.C. water and a lot of other utilities across the country, and he compared them to the five fingers that make up a fist.
4: I give a presentation regularly of hand over fist, starting with the fist. The first is the condition of the infrastructure. In most cities, most cities were forming when the country industrialized more than a century ago. So that's when these big cities were forming, particularly east and midwestern cities. And the infrastructure is a lot of it's that which was put in originally back then, particularly on the sewer side, but a lot of the old water mains as well. So you have a lot of old systems in these cities that are in bad shape. And it's delivering an absolutely essential service to make a city work. So that's challenge number one. Challenge number two is that customers don't know us. We have done well for decades in most cities so that most people who in the United States who walk up to a water fountain or a spigot and turn it on and water comes out, expect it. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, and don't realize what a miracle of modern civilization that is or what it takes to deliver it. So our biggest challenge with a customer who is going to be faced with the costs of updating the first, which is his old infrastructure, is that they don't know us. And what customer wants to pay more money for something that they don't know? The third is that having a financial system that's out of date. Mostly, it's that the financial system was set up when all we were charging our customers was the operating costs of a system already in the ground, not the capital costs of replacing it. So most of the big water mains and sewer lines in Washington, D.C. were put in place before anybody who's currently here was here. Mm -hmm. So it was paid for back then. And here, the budget that has come due is not only continued operating costs of an older system. So your operating costs go up when your system is older. But now I've got to replace capital costs. That's not in the rate structure. It's not in the revenue base. The customers who don't know you aren't used to paying that much. So that was the third challenge. And the fourth is that we have an industry that's that's resistant to change. And I say that for the right reasons. If the product that you deliver is water, And the question is whether you're going to experiment with ways that might save money. But you might be wrong. That's what innovation is. You try four or five things. Many of them don't work. You can't do that with water. You can't try a new gadget and have it not work for two reasons. One is if it doesn't work and you're delivering a product that's not not safe, you have immediately caused a public health threat. can't do that. The second is if you try some new piece of infrastructure or new technology and it doesn't work, you don't have any money in your budget in the public sector to buy something else to fix it. So, you're, so the natural tendency, which makes sense, is to stick with what you know and use it because you have to deliver and you have to be right and you have a tight budget. The fifth piece of that fist is that the federal mandates that are left now unfunded, there is no big construction grants program, are extremely expensive. Can you
3: talk about some of these projects in light of all of these challenges?
4: I'll start first with what I would call our mandated projects. Examples for D.C. water. We have an old sewer system, and in the old days, sewers were designed to hold both sewage, so the sanitary flow from a building, and rainwater coming off the street, the storm flow that goes into a storm drain, into the same pipe. It's called a combined system. The problem with those systems is that in a big storm, the stormwater fills up the pipe literally to the top, and then overflows, and it overflows to the river or to a neighborhood. And that's a mixture of sewage and rainwater into a neighborhood or into the river. That's called a combined sewer overflow. That's the way it was designed more than 100 years ago. And there's 755 cities in the United States that have combined systems. That has to be solved, but it can only be solved by building a much bigger system to take all that overflow in a big storm or separating sewers and and, uh, storm sewers from each other in a separate system, which is also meaning dig up the street, put in a whole new line. Unbelievably expensive. The solution in Washington, D.C., which we call our Clean Rivers Project, is a $2.6 billion project with a B, the largest and most expensive project D.C. Water will ever undertake. And it's nearly $3 billion in cost and almost exclusively paid for by D.C. residential, I mean, D.C resident taxpayers, commercial or residential. And that's about 680,000 people. So it's not a lot of people to cover a $3 billion capital project. And that's mandated by law. It's a court-ordered consent decree. We have no option. We must do it. So that takes the lion's share of your funding is to do this mandated project. That's the first category. The second category are discretionary projects, but one that over the long term can do great benefit, and we're doing those as well. We spent just completing spending $470 million, building a whole complex to take all the solid material we're taking out of the wastewater that we don't want in our rivers or the Chesapeake and turning it into power. $470 million, put that on top. The third category of project is just straight replacement of old infrastructure. And that all is old, 79-year median age. Median, which means half of them are older. 9% were put in before 1900. So in the 1800s, almost 10% of the pipes in the city date back to the 1800s. And we have to replace those. That's the third category. And then the fourth category is your operations and maintenance. And it literally, the question is, if you don't have enough revenue, what do you cut? You don't cut the mandated projects because you must do those. Basic O&M is what you have to deliver, whether it's water main breaks or delivering the water. So the two kinds of projects you reduce are the smart sustainability projects, which are good over the long haul, or replacement of old capital assets, and then the system gets older. So that's why we've worked so hard to build a new relationship with our customer because we want to do work in all four categories at the same time. That's the bill that's come due that's the reality we face, and so far we've been on that path, but it's been a real challenge to deliver
3: so how do you communicate to the public uh, to you know to get them to buy and to increase water rates when it's not visible you know it's, it's not there it's out of sight, out of mind. who cares? you know we need the water you know that's what you hear all
4: the time. Sure. I love that question because um, it was one that struck me the most. And what DC Water did when I uh, arrived here in 2009 first was revamp our communications structure with our customers completely and in every way. Part of, it, of, the, of the outcome or, or response of how to communicate with customers is just to do it. I mean, we looked at our old logo, and I tell this joke all the time, but it is absolutely true that I was standing in my uniform. I always wear a uniform, but with the old logo on it in Adams Morgan, which is a neighborhood of D.C., and someone walked up to me and asked me for a job at the Department of Corrections because looking at my logo on my shirt, they couldn't tell I worked at a water company. I mean, there is part of our work that is visible. We have 600 trucks in our fleet. They're working all over the city, but if nobody knows that's us, then they don't know what their check is going for. When people say, I don't want to spend more money for something, I'm saying, of course they don't. Nobody wants to spend more money. I don't, unless I know what it's for and understand why it matters to me. And so the first thing we did is just make ourselves more visible. And now the DC and the water drop is a very well-known logo, and people say, we see your trucks all over the city. Our trucks were always all over the city. You just didn't know it was us. Then what we discovered is we ramped up Every year doing a little bit more than we did the year before, social media, standard media, print materials, all very consistent, just like you would if we were a market-based customer service operation, which we are. So our customer response network is to be convincing our customers that an investment in us is an investment in themselves. And what we found is that our customers have been very open. Doesn't mean they've been happy about every rate increase, but we've more than doubled the rates in Washington, D.C. in my seven years. And while there has, there has been challenges, and it's particularly people who will come to me and say, you know, I totally support what you're doing. I'm just a senior on fixed income, and I'm having a hard time doing it. It's not a matter of what you've persuaded me. This matters. I'm just really tight. Or I'm a low-income customer, and I just don't have any more money, which is why I would love to have a program to cover the low-income customers, to take that off the table. And then the rest of our customers, yes, it's a challenge for some, but they can pay. And I hope to persuade them. Like my dream is always to say, oh, we need $10 more uh, this month from you and have a customer come back and say, no, Mr. Hawkins, how about 20? (laughs) And um, it's not like I'm expecting that to happen, but that's how we go after each customer, that we're going to persuade them that this matters to them because we think it does. We believe in it. We believe in the message and we carry it everywhere we can.
2: George Hawkins, director of DC Water, speaking with water policy reporter Amina Sayed. For more of Amina's reporting on water, visit our website at BNA.com. Parts Per was produced by myself with help from Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle. The theme music for Parts Per is A Message by Jazar. It was used under a Creative Commons Attribution Share like license. More information can be found at betterwithmusic.com.
0: Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help
1: your business at thehartford.com.